Discipleship for Busy Blokes. Uh, well, welcome to uh, Discipleship for Busy Blokes. It's my absolute pleasure today to welcome Chris Fletcher, special guest all the way from the States. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really delighted that you're with us. Just tell us a little bit about about yourself, what you do, who you are, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Chris Fletcher from uh, Mana Church, which is um, located all across the United States, but the one that I'm at is in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So if you look at the eastern seaboard, I'm right in the middle between Florida and New York, so we get the worst of both worlds. Not enough snow to actually snow, just some ice, and okay. not enough you know, hot and beach to actually be the Florida beaches. So, so uh, kind of mixed. Yeah, it's kind of a bit all over the place. <laughs> And I am the lead pastor at uh, Manor Church there in the Fayetteville, Fort Bragg region. Okay. I have a beautiful wife, Rachel. I have four lovely children, and we're gonna we're gonna stop after four. No more. No more, no more after four. Yeah. Uh, just tell us a little bit about Manor Church. Now I I know a little bit about Manor Church yeah. because you and your dad are here for our first conference. Uh, but just tell our listeners what Manor Church is all about. What is what its distinctive things are. I think the distinctive thing about Manor Church is that we're next to Fayetteville Fort Bragg, so we're we're a, a very military church, lots of soldiers uh, in the local church and because of the way that the military works with uh, permanent change of station and deployments and all that sort of thing, uh, we have church members for about 2 years and then they they leave and go someplace else. So we are actively in the process of planting churches on every military uh, base, U.S. military base in the world, for people to go from one man of church to the next. Okay, so if they multiply. get redeployed somewhere else, then the chances, your your hope or your dream is that really that they could go to a man of church in That's their correct. new location. Okay. That's correct. We just we want to be a church that helps walk, walk alongside our, uh, frankly, somewhat underserviced uh, slice of the American population, the U.S. soldier. We want to be the church that helps walk alongside them as God brings them into everything that he's prepared for them as soldiers. And, and we want to we want to be there every step of the way. So we want to plant uh, churches there to help continue the growth that's begun wherever on the military highway it's begun. Something that, that must happen a fair lot is that, you know, they get redeployed somewhere else. And right. of course, the mission would be that you, they can go to another manor church in that new location. Correct. But how does that play out for you in, in your situation, seeing that high turnover? How do you how do you deal with that? We deal with that by being aggressive with uh, outreach. You know, the, the thing about, sure. there's a negative to Fayetteville Fort Bragg always reskinning itself, if you will, just because okay. there's so much influx of new people coming in. The negative to that is, you know, after a couple of years, people that are your friends, you built relationship, they're heading out. The benefit of that is, in a couple of years, there's a whole bunch of women and men that are going to move in. Yeah. So we got, we got really good uh, in Fayetteville Fort Bragg at leadership development and at outreach. So, so you've got people leaders. coming through the pipeline all the time, and you see exactly. that as an opportunity. And, and Absolutely. Just give us a little bit of a view of uh, kind of the typical stuff you focus on as pastor there in that, in that, in that campus. What's your week look like? What, so what kind of things do you do? Typically, we're going we're gonna to focus pretty much everything on leadership development. Everything about everything that we do is about developing the next level of leaders. So um, I lead in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg. We have six locations there. So we have six uh, sites. We call them sites. Campuses, sites, same thing. We have six sites, uh, six site pastors, and then we have a, a fairly large kind of central support uh, staff that works along with those sites to help make sure that, that things work. So typically our week would be, you know, on Monday, we would kind of have our uh, meeting Monday, which I think is fairly typical for most organizations. Yeah, we have that here get, at BCC those, too. Get yep. all those meetings knocked out on Monday. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll kind of focus on the week to come. And then we have a, in, in the Fayetteville region, we have a Thursday night service which is where we'll record that and we'll use that video for our video locations and for our microsites and all that. So our, our weekend starts on Thursday. And then we take Friday and Saturday off and then we do it 14, 15, 
don't judge me if you're from Fayetteville Fort Bragg listening. <laughs> we have some services. You have some services and there yeah, are a lot. 14, okay. 15, I don't know. So your main focus as a pastor is really leadership development. and uh... My focus 100% is leadership development. Um, okay. I have a task that I do on the weekend, whether it's um, leading worship or preaching or just being around to help. I have a task for the weekend, but my day-to-day job is about um, eliminating hurdles to leaders at Mana Church being able to develop more leaders who develop more leaders. That's really all that we're about. All of my week is centered on uh, developing leaders and helping people take their next step. Something you said as we got to know each other was that you'd got like a, a master's in, what was it that you'd got? the? You'd, I have a master's in Christian leadership, which right. is really yeah. organizational leadership. But the school that I got it from called it Christian leadership. I took enough Bible survey courses so I could teach Bible for them. <laughs> okay. All right. And what, is, what, what, was the, what was your heart behind doing that, that training? What did you want to kind of understand? And then also what, what did you want to put to good use after that training? If you Googled, so if you just put into the Google leadership, you're going to find a million and a half different definitions. Everyone defines leadership differently. And I think that especially being a church that I believe God's called us to, really our, our vision is a vision to change the world. And our mission statement, the way that we plan to do that is we equip people and we plant churches. So the science of church planting doesn't have, you you can't get a master's in church planting, uh, but you can study leadership. So leadership development is, that's, that's all leadership development is, equipping people. So I thought what more appropriate, what more appropriate school of thought than learning how to uh, exert leadership, which is really influence. How can I better refine uh, the leadership gifting that God's placed in my life to be more helpful for those around me? So that's, that was really the thrust. That's a great aspiration to hear that you've gone and walked that out. And I'm just thinking of some of the guys that perhaps are listening on the podcast. What kind of advice would you give to a guy who's thinking, you know, I don't feel content with the level of influence I have. How can I, how can I increase that? What, what sort of basic steps might you say to a guy who's thinking of exploring more leadership or really increasing his influence? Where might he even start? That's great. You know, um, influence, influence is really a result of trust that's built. And, and trust is is basically encapsulated in mean what you do and do what you say. Uh, be someone who is trustworthy. If you're someone who's trustworthy, if you can be counted on to do what it is that you're asked to do, then you'll find your leadership going to the next level. Um, I meet young people all the time who want to take the next step, and that's my first question to them. Can you be trusted, regardless of what you're doing? If you're a yeah. student, can you mm-hmm. be trusted, if you're given an assignment, to do it whether someone's looking at you or whether someone's back is turned? If you can and you're trustworthy... People promote that. You want yeah. that. You yeah. as a leader, Nick. Yeah. If you've got somebody who you you like them, they're fun. You ask them to do something, they go absolutely, and then they it's a fifty fifty. They might they might not. Are you going to promote that person? Mm, Probably not. No. No. If you have somebody who a hundred percent of the time is trustworthy, you say, look, I need this task. I need this knocked out, and man, they're on it and they're making it happen. You can't help but promote them. You'd be crazy not to. That, that's a very interesting perspective because I was kind of maybe expecting you to say, okay, this is how I maybe deal with other people. And your answer is really, well, no, it's actually about how you deal with yourself. That's, I, that's I fascinating. Think, I think that leadership is big words here. Forgive me. I think that leadership is ontological and mimetic, especially for believers. Ontological, ontology is the study of yourself. Mm-hmm. So most leadership change happens in the mirror. Because leadership is influence, and influence is something that I exert as I build trust. Mm -hmm. So most leadership change, if I want to prepare myself for the next level, it is learning, teaching my my mind. It's also what I'm able to do, what I'm able to do with the knowledge that I have in my head. 
And that starts entirely in the mirror. It's firstly ontological. Leadership is who I am and what God's shaping me to be tomorrow. Sure. And at the same time, then it's mimetic. Part of the reason that I'm such a bear, I'm so strong on personal devotion, meaning wake up every morning and have a time in the Word with God and have some prayer, is because we as believers are called to imitate the greatest leader who ever walked the face of the earth, and that's Jesus. Sure, yeah. And the Bible's chock full of examples of how he dealt with leadership issues. How did he lead? Really, that's all we're doing, right? Yeah. Jesus Mm -hmm. got 12 guys around him. He poured his life into them. They went out and poured their life into other people. And now here we sit a couple thousand years later with Christianity having spread all across the globe. It's a beautiful leadership example of what the local church is meant to be. Take your life, allow God and allow your Father to shape you, and then take everything that he's given you and pour it out on behalf of others. And then they go and do the same. Suddenly, we got a we got a movement going. Yeah. So, just take us through those two words again, because they're they're quite long words. I think they you are. said ontological. I'm is sorry. That... I was no, also, no, no, no. I was good. also schooled at home, which yeah. in America, homeschool is like you know a, a thing that the nerds do because they're you know not in public school. So I don't know what it's like so, here, but ontological is about being, isn't it? Ontology deals with your being. With your being, and yeah. you said mimetic as mimetic. well, and that's to do with copying, that's isn't it? Imitating. Imitating. So okay. ontology. I'm looking in the mirror, and the first thing that I focus on in trying to in trying to grow the leadership that's around me, the first person I start with is me. Is yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. control is an illusion. I don't have control over anybody. The only person I can control is me, and I can't okay. even control the circumstances. I can control my choices, and I can control who I surrender to. So sure. I focus on myself. Surrendering my my passions, my drives, my desires, everything to the Lord, and then I imitate Him. Yeah. How best can I imitate Jesus today? How could somebody know I'm a Jesus follower and my mouth not even open? So if you're a guy listening to this, then you got some fantastic advice there. You know, submit yourself to Jesus and copy what He does, right. and be very very intentional about that. Yep. And then you will find your your your, your trustworthiness and your your higher ability, I guess, and, and the, the, the desire for people to be in, you know, for you to be in their organization, that's just going to climb, isn't it? That's, that's everywhere. And, and lest I sound like a career pastor who's only done this in the, in the ministry, I worked for a company called United Parcel Service, UPS, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe delivers. It does, yeah. It yeah, works here. Yeah, absolutely. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the same thing there. If you're, if you're trustworthy, if you're, if you're relied upon, I was there for a couple of months and they promoted me and before I ended up leaving them, they offered me a job to stay as opposed to going to work for yeah. Man Church, which I now work now. Following the call of God, I wasn't going to stay at UPS, but it worked. Yeah, they were going yeah. to promote me because if you're trustworthy, if you're following Jesus, if you're if you're asking yourself how would Jesus respond in this place, you you can't help but go up. I think your observations they're completely consistent with my own experience. You know, I had 15 years in the world of IT before I became a pastor. And the people I recruited and then elevated were all the trustworthy ones. And the people who weren't good on their word, you know, I just, I I didn't actively discriminate against them, but I did find myself trying to find those people that could be relied upon. And that's so important, isn't it? Without, without becoming, without pretending that I'm Simon Sinek, um, he's a, he's an author in America about leadership. It's funny because what we end up, what we end up doing in the business world is we promote people who can achieve results, not people who, we promote people who, who who manufacture results, not necessarily achieve results. And what I mean by that is uh, we, we focus on the wrong thing. Businesses focus on metrics and they focus on success based on winning some game with rules that we haven't even clearly defined and skip the entire idea that if you build a business based on people who are trustworthy, then what you'll have is results for a long time as opposed to just chasing short-term, short-term gains. And mm-hmm. if you want to be a successful man, 
in what I believe is, is the, the economy of the future, then if you are a man of trust, if you are a man who can be trusted, then you're hireable no matter what the, no matter what the task. That's awesome advice. Discipleship for busy blokes. Something I'm kind of interested in is uh, this idea that like in the New Testament, and this kind of plays into the setting you're in leading, you know, uh, a lot of servicemen and women uh, in your church. It seems to me that the centurions in the Bible yeah. come across well. They do. You know, they do. And, uh, you know, there's the guy who exclaims that surely this man was a son of God when he sees Jesus on the cross. There's uh, Cornelius, you know, from the Italian regiment. Uh, there's the guy that Jesus said, surely this is the, you know, the best faith I've seen in right. the whole of Israel. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, is there something in the military life that kind of sets you up to follow Jesus well? Just unpack that a bit, or if you, you know, kind of agree with that or got any perspectives on that. I think that the great thing about what you're seeing and observing is that these are women and men, uh, especially military women and men. These are these are people who have a clearly defined sense of mission already imprinted on them. They already come with the predisposed notion that I exist for the purpose of a greater good. It's, it's funny because, especially in society today, there's so much talk of individuality and trying to find out who I am and trying to find out, trying to find out my place. And what, what, what society, if it's not careful, will lose is the idea that every individual exists for a greater cause and a greater good. Everyone's an individual and everyone is, everyone is ordinary in the sense that we're all just people. But every ordinary person is capable of extraordinary things. And I think that what the military does better than other elements of society is it imprints on people the fact that they exist for a mission, that their lives count, that their lives matter, and that what they do has an impact on the greater good for society. So that they're stepping into that has got aspects that are already aligned up with the Christian faith? Is that what you're kind of saying? Whether they, whether they know it or not, yes, I am. Um, whether they know it or not, if they join the U.S. Army because... You know, they just have nothing else going for them. They just have to get a job. They're just whatever. They're just going to do that. What they will find through that process is the army is set up to make this not about you as an individual and to make it about the make it about the unit, make it about the team, make it about the country. It's about it's about the team's prosperity, not just your prosperity. And so sure. the great thing about leading women and men like that is that some of that already comes baked in a little bit. When you talk about you exist on purpose for a purpose, they get that. I know I exist on purpose for a purpose. I know that my job on this team, if I don't do my job, I put the lives of my team members at risk. And I think that that sort of, in talking about being a trusting team member, in that sense where if, if you as an individual can, I'm not suggesting that we all become clones of one another. I'm not suggesting we all become doormats. But if we can internalize the idea that we as the body of Christ, regardless of our profession, exist for a greater cause and a greater good, we were created on purpose for a purpose, and we were placed in history, as it says in the book of Esther, for such a time as this. Yeah. Mordecai asked Esther, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Then when, yeah. Mm-hmm. We ask that question of our of our folks at Manor Church a lot. If not, if not you, if you're not going to reach your family, if you're not going to reach your unit, if you were not placed on purpose, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Yeah. When's mm-hmm. the world going to change? I don't know when you're going to change it. That's great that you brought that up. I think that the the whole thing with the centurion and the whole thing with the whole military idea and mindset is just that one idea right there. That I exist. That's an awesome observation. That's not something I ever thought of before, which is that you're you're in it for the team and for a greater good anyway. That's right. 
One of the things that strikes me about the, the faith of the centurion is he makes these parallels as well between his own kind of command and control chain right. uh, and the one that Jesus has with his Father in heaven and so on. Any comments on that? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great observation. I think that, I think that inside, of, inside of all of us, we all have a craving and a desire to know who loves me and who's in charge. And I think that far too often we just focus on the fact that God is in charge and we kind of skip the idea that he loves me. And so um, specifically in a military environment, what are the challenges for us? It's, it's kind of easy to talk about authority. People in a military context get authority. What's a bit of a challenge for us at times is also to bring in that other side of God, which is not just, heart side, yeah. mm-hmm. he's the authority. No, I get it. But I had a first sergeant who was a, he was a turkey. I mean, he was mean. So he, he was in charge of me, but he was mean to me. He belittled me. He was nasty to me. All these things about the, the negative. I had a guy tell me one time, I can't come to man a church anymore. Why? Because I saw a bunch of first sergeants there I didn't like. Well, I, nothing I can do about that. The other side of that coin, the thing that we focus a lot on is the fact that, that God loves you. You're valuable. And I know that you're valuable because the value of something is determined by what someone will pay for that something. Yeah. And the uh-huh. value of you to God is the life of his son, is mm-hmm. Jesus. So that's how I know that you're valuable. So yeah, God is, God is your authority. God's in charge, but he also loves you. And, and that value in that story translates from Jesus's relationship with his father across to the centurion's relationship with his sick servant, doesn't right. it? it, it yep. You know, that, there's almost a direct parallel between the Absolutely. two, which is what's such a, such a great thing about that story. And I think um, that's what makes that centurion in that story good is his care for his servant. The fact yeah. that he would care so much for someone who served him and I think that's another uh, example of something that we can imitate. If we lay our lives down as men, especially as men, right? I mean, I, 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 I hate to sound, well, who cares how I sound? Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> as men, I think that as men, it is our job to, uh, it says in Ephesians that women su- submit, wives submit to your, not women, wives submit to your husbands, but it said that husbands serve your wives as Christ served the so church. Serve the church, yeah. Mm-hmm. So which is more difficult? Submission or death? Because Christ served the church by laying his life down for her. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. gentlemen, your call is to find a wife. He finds a wife, finds what is good, receives favor from the Lord, fill the earth and subdue it, have some kids. And then your job is to be like Christ and die for your wife and your children. And your that that mm-hmm. that is not, it, it, that's a completely different image than is sold to us by society of, you know, I'm the man of the house and I come home, kind of do whatever I want, head out with the fellows on... Friday night and, you know, have fun and party. And then the wife stays at home and cleans stuff up and makes my life happier. And that's, that's completely the opposite. And I think the centurion, especially in that story, I think the power of that story, some of the power of that story is found in the fact that he would care so much for his servant. For me, that's one of the very appealing parts of that story is that this is this person who's subordinate to him and he doesn't have to take care of care of this person and actually he's from a foreign culture as well so you know this is a very strong comment by jesus to to the audience listening isn't it really that actually and it mirrors on jesus as well because really jesus's mission is servant leadership and right yeah there's loads out of that i mean another thing that strikes me just just popped into my head as we were talking there of course the concept of discipline as well you know military people get that they know about training they know about being on point um you know timothy you know in the letters to timothy it talks about you know that there's the, the farmer the the soldier and the athlete isn't there. And the soldier is the person who's kind of got to confront. The farmer has to nurture. You know, the athlete has to train. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's a, is some interesting parallels for you in your church. Are there some things that perhaps this service men and women that you see through your church have more of a struggle with maybe? 
Yeah, so just like you talked about discipline, it's interesting that, that so many people I meet nowadays have a very disciplined approach to their professional lives, very disciplined. I'm uh-huh. a soldier, very disciplined. But then in my free time, because I'm so disciplined in my work time, I just go crazy and okay. go wild. So, you know, there's a saying in the military, what 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 happens on what happens on TDY or what happens on deployment stays on deployment. So that I think is kind of a sham and excuse, frankly. If we all found a way to self-medicate, yeah, I, I, I don't much buy. I don't much so buy you're that. saying that there's kind of like a seesaw effect that under the, the pressure of the self-discipline when on, on point, yeah. sometimes there can be a flip back yeah. to there's, being there's completely There's two sides to every anything. coin, yeah. right? Okay. So in order to relieve the stress, uh, I think there are times that they go about it in an, in an unhealthy manner. Yeah. Just, just speak into that for a second for any guys that maybe you know, nothing to do with military background, but who experienced that themselves. Because I'm my, my guess is there's going to be some guys listening who go, yeah, I know how to turn up to work and do a good job. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, my private life's a bit of a mess. Right. It's, any counsel for somebody in that situation, where would they start with trying to fix that? I'll be honest. I think that, I, I like I said, I'm a, if you attended my small group, I have a small group for men. We meet at very, very early in the morning at a local coffee shop. And we have coffee and we talk about accountability. We talk about living a life of purity. And we talk about devotions, really simple, basic stuff. So I am a, I am a, I am a nail on scripture. At the same time, when you're talking about stress and relieving stress, I firmly believe that men should choose their hobbies before their hobbies choose them. So what I mean by that is every man should have some way that they divert in a healthy way. You should have a strong devotional life, but I mean, if that's... If your thing is a bicycle, I love riding bicycles. So uh, I remember my wife and I were talking about some of my hobbies sometimes, and, and I said to her, you know, it, you would rather have me on a bike for an hour in the morning. Than, than I would be if I, if I have, didn't do that. Yeah, yeah have yeah. me relieve stress some other way. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, the, the demands of the world and the demands of, of, of a boss and the demands of a job and the demands of everything that are laid on men, I think that men should choose a way to relieve stress. Yeah. Go to the park. Play a sport, yeah. uh, shoot hoops, shoot some basketball, ride yeah. a bike, garden, go for a walk. I mean, there are any, read a book. There are any number of ways to get alone 30, 45 minutes out of the day uh, and relieve your stress as opposed to, I, I, don't believe in, I don't believe in men finding illicit ways to relieve their stress and calling that an excuse. No excuse, bro. Yeah, no. No uh, excuse. I have, I, <laughs> everybody who tells me, man, I don't have time for a hobby, my response is, everybody can wake up 30 minutes earlier yeah don't you give me that yeah. it's dark outside so you can get up go outside yeah. do some jumping jacks push-ups yeah. and read a book for 30 minutes I, mean, I must admit you know <laughs> just listening to you saying those things i, I certainly find you know that, that those patterns of exercise in the week for, for instance for me i try and run three miles or you know sometimes do five miles i'm not really built to be a runner but i must admit it helps me so much it clears my head i don't feel that aggression I, I hear from God in it. I, I don't even put headphones in. I just listen, you know, just listen to the noise of the street, and I find it calms me down. It really does. Yeah. So, um, just tell tell what do you do for fitness and stuff? How do you how do you keep yourself fit? Well, I used to be fitter than I am today. Um, I played uh, I played football in at university, uh, and then after that, uh, I just I just do some running. I just yeah. done some triathlon. I've done Ironman three times. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Uh, just tell me a little bit about the football as well, because it leaked out earlier today that you're a bit of a Man U fan. Uh, how does that work over... Uh, I'm a lot of a... Uh, are you a lot of a Man U fan? So how does that work over in the States? You just watch it online or... Uh, you know? Well, to be honest, uh, NBC, National Broadcasting Company, has a deal with the Premier League, and we actually get better coverage of the Premier League 
in the ah, States you. than you even do here. Oh, so I subscribe on. to NBC Sports Gold, and I watch every single Premier League match, and I have the MUTV app on my phone. Okay, so, I'm so you're current, right up on it. I'm pretty yeah. current with, with yeah. United. And now, I'm a bit of an armchair football fan. If England are on, and especially if they're in the World Cup, I'll make a point of watching. Mm. And um, when I was growing up, my aunt had a flat in London, very near the old Arsenal ground. Highbury. So, yeah, that's yeah. it. So she lived just a couple of blocks away from Highbury. And uh, I would sometimes hear this roar from the stadium. I was like, what is that? And she'd tell me about it. I was like, so I had a, a slight liking for Arsenal, but for no more reason than that. Yeah. So so I grew I was born in the 80s and I grew up in the 90s. So I can remember yep. just after I got married in my apartment, I watched the night that United ended the Invincibles run. And it was euphoria. I couldn't even, <laughs> I can't even communicate it. Yeah. I remember the days of the, the bust ups in the tunnel. When yeah. Roy Keane was shouting, oh, oh, yeah. inventing new ways to use profanity. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. Irishman, he could. Oh, he had a they they had a United had a run that I seem to remember just from some of my friends that were just they just seemed invincible. I, I remember a particular match against Bayern Munich where they were one nil down and they came back two one in like the last four minutes or something. They did. They were very very clinical finishers, weren't they? They did. I so. remember where I was. I remember where I was. I've watched the '99 final. I don't know how many times. Just that whole just that whole build up. It was incredible. Yeah, oh, great stuff. And you coach football now, do you? Is that right? I you do, do. Yeah, you, so... I coach. I coach for. A, I actually coach for a, a La Liga development academy in uh, in North Carolina. Okay. Villarreal or Villarreal, as you. And so is that here. like an age group, or is that like a? Like I coach U a... fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. my son's in the U fourteen uh, developmental academy. He's quite skilled. Yeah. Better than his old man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got this little app which I use on the podcast to oh. ask a bloke uh, like random questions. Oh, so great. we're just going we're going to have a go at this and see <laughs> okay. if this works. Uh, and Fingers we'll see crossed, what, right? Yeah, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. So we're going to spin this and uh, we'll see what we get. And um, and uh, okay, okay, car. Here we go. Car. Oh my. Yeah. So come on, tell us about cars. Ooh, tell us about the cars. You got well, a different selection over there in the states, haven't we, you? We sure do. I'm a family man, and uh, we like to travel quite a bit. So I I have four children. And uh, we have a Honda Odyssey van, but um, I love the sport utility vehicles. So I myself okay. have a Subaru Outback. A Subaru Outback. Because it's nice. all-wheel drive all the yeah. time. So I yeah. can drive in the mountains. I can drive at the beach. I can really drive anywhere. They're nice cars. They Subarus are, are nice cars. Yeah, they, great. They're pretty. So that, you like that, yeah? Is that I nice do. to drive? And, it's yeah. super nice to drive. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like a proper gentleman when I drive. <laughs> When I drive my Subaru Outback, I used to drive the, you know, for the longest time, I had this spiritual conviction that I should only drive dumpy cars yep. that, you know, were 85 years old. And my wife finally said, look, if you're going to, people are going to think of you yeah. as a grown-up, you have to start driving a grown-up's car. You can't. Oh, yeah. Come on. You can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't drive all these silly pieces of junk. <laughs> yeah. So that's good advice. I'm liking your wife. That's great advice. She's yeah, a smart yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, Subaru are very, uh, they're very res well respected here as well. Uh, they had this model called the, I think it was the WRX, which mm. was like this kind of hatch, but yep. you know, well, no, it was, it was a saloon car, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, their rally car and, yep. and, and it used to, it's got a small boxer engine, hasn't it? Like a flat four, yes. very distinctive. And I remember guys doing them up with special exhausts and caning them really hard around the local lanes where I used to grow up. Um, so yeah, not not necessarily the safest car, but you know, no. in terms very safe built, you know, and stuff like that. But so Subaru, cool. Let's try one more. One more. One more, and uh, then we'll get you to pray for us if that's, that's all right. Um, game. So 
We've already covered football. There so either a game that you like playing yourself, maybe on a console, yeah. or a game that you maybe went to see that was monumental for you. But you, I'm going to put a little bit of restric- restriction on it that you can't include football because you've you've already talked about uh, football. Well, so. And I won't tell you that I was at Old Trafford the night that Ronaldo scored the free kick in 2008, the one that dipped right over the oh. top and froze David James like he was a statue. As David James typically looked when he played for England, <laughs> he never moved. He wasn't Rob Green. Thank you, England, for Rob Green spilling the ball into the net and allowing us to draw you in the World Cup. I'm forever in your debt. So I won't uh, say that. No, don't say that. But, That's uh, good. That's I, funny. You know, as <laughs> it, it really is kind of pathetic, but um, FIFA is my drug of choice. Like, oh, really? Talking about uh, unwinding. Yeah. I love FIFA. So this this last year, I challenged myself, and I, I just randomly picked the MK Dons and oh, yeah. decided I was going to make them the kings of Europe. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just before I flew over here, after a period of three FIFA seasons, <laughs> the MK Dons are now uh, now European Cup champions. Are they, they really? Atletico uh, Madrid, one uh, yeah. nil in extra time. Oh come on! So, yeah. Now that's funny. If you're, just... if, you're in, if you're in Milton Keynes, then you can uh, celebrate <laughs> your your three years from the European <laughs> Cup. That's hilarious. I bought my son FIFA twenty for uh, Christmas. There you go. And um, it's got a great little thing on it where you can play three aside in like a kind of you know, an underground car park or something, and it's just immense oh, fun. I'm not that. very good at it, and he always thrashes me, but I actually <laughs> scored a goal on it, like, that's with good. proper skill and everything. I was so that's proud good. of myself. So yeah. uh, so you're a FIFA fan. That's great. My son and I love connecting on, on FIFA. Yeah, now I need to do that a bit more. And I, George, that's if you're so listening it. to this, mate, I, I repent, and I'm going to try and learn <laughs> how to be better, because he, he asks me to play, and I'm like, I'm not very good. I'm not very good, so I need to work on that. So yeah. It's been absolutely such a pleasure to chat to you. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you today. Would you close the podcast in prayer for us, oh, for I'd, all the, gen- the gents listening out there? That'd be yeah, great. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Father, I thank you so much for uh, your son. We're, we're so grateful for Jesus and what he means to us and what he's done for us. And uh, Lord, I just pray for every single man listening to this that, that 2020 would be a year of unexpected blessing and favor from you. Lord, I pray that your hand Amen. be on everything that they, that they put their hands to. And uh, thank you, Father. It says in Proverbs that those who seek me find me. You're not a God who's hard to find. That really our, our, our task is to, is to find where you are, to take you by the hand, and to follow you into the bounty of blessings that you have for us. So, Lord, I just pray that your hand of favor be on every single uh, man listen to this and, and that your hand of blessing would be on them in 2020 would be the best year ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 